0: Welcome to Brave Heart Conversations,
1: where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora, and I'm Marie Wallace, and we are your hosts today. Welcome to Brave Heart Conversations. I am Jillian Aurora, and this is my lovely co-host Marie Wallace. Good morning. Looking so fabulous today. You do too. Thank you. <laughs> um all right so today we're going to be talking about feminine desire Mm. unapologetic feminine desire which is something that we have apologized for for far too long uh throughout history we've been very demonized for it and so it's time to talk about changing that and um man this is still a topic for me that brings up a lot of emotion Mm. because it's still I still carry a lot of that programming with me um, a lot of religious programming that that has told me that feminine desire is trashy and that mm-hmm. feminine desire is uh, inappropriate and that it is unnecessary and and only for those girls yeah, poor girls. Or, uh, yeah, yeah lot of names. And the, and sluts, we, yeah. yeah, there's a lot all of all the
0: names yeah. of
1: demonizing of women who are um, sexual beings. They admit that they are that they have sexual desire and that they are not just accommodating themselves to masculine desire. And so that's really the heart of what I want to address today is it isn't wrong for you or me or any of us as women to be in touch with that part of our being and it doesn't that make that was a you... nice pun <laughs> it doesn't make you dirty no it doesn't make you well. bad or wrong um it doesn't make you a bad girl no um just like you know, I I would challenge you to think of how you, how you perceive men and their sexuality, and you still think of them as good men even if they are, um even if they're they have sexual desire that is, they're okay. unapologetic of yeah. they're unashamed of, and and a lot of men are unashamed of mm-hmm. um, their that piece of themselves and we have very much abandoned. That piece of ourselves, we have detached ourselves from that that piece of ourselves, and sometimes, you know, I can think back to many times in my life where I just wanted it that way. It was just easier. Mm-hmm. It was just easier to numb out and pretend that that just didn't even exist, um, because it was too scary to really look at. It was mm-hmm. too scary to admit that that was part of me that was created as, of, as part of me.
0: One, you don't want to address it with your partner either because those are scary conversations to have even.
1: Yeah, and um, there are are lots of partners who are still stuck in that old programming too where um, I remember having partners that would Mm -hmm. tell me that that was trashy and that they were so grateful that I wasn't sexual. Mm. That they were, and it, it was a weird thing. Like they still wanted to be sexual, but they were glad that I had essentially amputated that part of myself. Mm-hmm. And um, then they're sort of having
0: sex with a rubber doll.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and really? it's very, it's really unfulfilling for both people. Yeah. That programming is very unfulfilling for because both
0: people. Because part of the fun is having the response back, right? Mm-hmm. Having a responsive partner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um but you can only have that if you uh humanize mm. sexuality and you make it um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not demonizing it. You're acceptable. Not it bad and wrong. It's acceptable to have the desires that normalize I have. it. Normalize. There you go. You normalize it for both people. You can't enjoy it unless you normalize it. And it's not very normalized for a lot of people right now. And and I understand that's not everyone's experience, but I know for me that was that was huge. Um I grew up with a lot of conditioning from from the Bible and, and religion in general telling me that um, women's sexuality was uh, was really evil because it was such a temptation for men, right? Mm-hmm. That was the biggest reason why like that was a dangerous part sure. of me that I needed to essentially distance myself from or really just not even acknowledge that it existed because um, if I did, then I would make men stumble.
0: Yeah, they can't control themselves. It's not their responsibility to be controlling over their behavior. It's my fault.
1: Right, but I would, I'm the
0: Jezebel.
1: Yep, that mm-hmm. I would be I would be responsible for um bad things that could happen to me. Mm-hmm. Right? So I would be responsible for my lack of safety. I remember my dad saying things about um even children being molested that mm-hmm. it was their parents' fault for dressing them poorly um it was very much centered around you know what what was the woman doing to deserve that behavior because it it definitely wasn't the man's fault yeah. and um and i i really grew up internalizing that and i i fully believed that even as an adult me too. Um, and it just seemed easier to just pretend that that part of me didn't even exist and i think that that's been a coping skill for women throughout the last several centuries is well, to just amputate that. Um, and we can survive, but we, I don't believe that we can really thrive. We can't be whole beings without mm-hmm. acknowledging all parts of ourselves. And we were created with mm-hmm. those parts of ourselves. And, you know,
0: and those parts of ourselves help us create and thrive. And, manifest and all that and connect and connect to our partners yeah in a very fulfilling way
1: and i would even say outside of our partners You know, it's not just sexual energy, it's sensual. Mm -hmm. Sensuality is something we bring to every experience. Mm -hmm. It's the energy you bring to a room. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that you want a, a sexual connection with everything and everyone. It means you're bringing your sensuality, your turn on. Yeah,
0: it's your savoring
1: tool. The
0: tool that has you savor all the best parts of life.
1: Too. It's a woman who isn't afraid to show up as gorgeous and sensual, right? And there's a very real fear attached to that. And there's a reason why, because that was literally dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, a woman who was sensual or tempting um, could literally be burned to death, mm-hmm. right? She could be claimed, you know, that that was considered by many to be witchcraft. True. She was bewitching them because she was so attractive, Using
0: or her she sexual was, charms. Mm-hmm. and mm.
1: she didn't even have to be, um, physically attractive. It, it didn't even have to do with being attractive. There were a lot of courtesans, mm. um, which I don't really want to go into all of that. I guess they still have
0: courtesans. <laughs> that would be
1: relevant actually. Um, mm-hmm. so a lot of people think of courtesans as, um, mm. prostitutes, but they were, they were different than prostitutes. So, if you go back to did they start in the in France? I want to say they started in France. It sounds like a French word. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go with that.
1: Um but traditionally, yes, they they were purchased Companions. for for their uh, their sex, but there was also so much more going on. Companionship. They were and, they yeah. were purchased for their companionship. Purchased, meaning like they were paid, not Mm -hmm. as no one owned them. Right. They were not owned, they owned themselves, but people could pay them to have their company Mm -hmm. and um, and their attention. And they were, they trained themselves to be tapped into pleasure. So they knew how to um, eat in a seductive way. They knew Mm -hmm. how to play with color and to play with, clothing and to enjoy all of the elements of life another thing that was really distinct about courtesans is they could own property when no other woman could and they could learn
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when no other woman could so they had access to libraries and education where at the time no woman was allowed to have those things yeah so the courtesans were a really interesting uh, separation from women at that time. They were very highly educated. They could hold conversations with men that were intellectual. Mm -hmm. They knew all
0: the arts, dancing and singing and all the, like you said, the seductive ways. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: they were one of the few women who could actually own, um, they could be wealthy of their own right. Not because they were married to someone, but because of themselves. Um, so they were just, they're an interesting pocket mm. of women, but they're, they're known mainly now, looking back, they're just labeled prostitutes. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I find them fascinating in so many ways because they did have so many more rights than what, uh, what women of that time were given. And I think that them being tapped into so many, like all of the elements of femininity, really, Mm -hmm. um, pleasure in every way, not just a sexual way, but every way, Mm -hmm. the courtesans were were vastly powerful. They were tapped into their their feminine power. And courtesans at one point were heavily persecuted and burned at the stake and hanged and and all of the things because they were said to have been practicing witchcraft, that they had bewitched all of these men, that they were using supernatural yeah. powers. Yes, they were mesmerizing. But the thing is, I really believe that every woman has those powers. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's, you know, some, some crazy, you know, superpower. Powers. It's, <laughs> it's literally the divine power that is every woman's mm-hmm. right when she is her whole self, when she is unapologetically her whole self. But we have been taught to cut off parts of ourselves in order to survive. And not that every woman needs to go out and be a courtesan, but we can... Embrace your desires. Embrace that part of you. Yeah, We can learn so many things, so many rich elements from the courtesans. Or you know other powerful women, women in history that have not been forced to cut off parts of themselves in order to survive. Um, so you know digging into our own past, our own uh, conditioning, whether it's religious or cultural or, or whatever your own experience was, understanding why you were taught about your sexuality the way that you were. And and if you were taught that it was something beautiful and something to be embraced, or if it was something to shy away from, if it was something dangerous. Hold are, back. Yeah. yeah, those are all important introspective questions. Um, to know ourselves, to know, you know where are we coming from and what healing needs to be done. Because if you believe like I do that we were created perfectly, there's no mistakes. There is no, um, there's no reason that we need to demonize our uh, sexual desires any more than any other desires. Um, we we don't have to limit ourselves because we're we're women. We don't have to cater to men's sexuality. We don't have to um, suppress ours. Yeah, we don't have to suppress or deny those desires, um, Marie. I'm. I've told a lot of, of storytelling so far. Are there some, like, elements of of passion and sexuality and, and unpacking this topic that's relevant to you? I know that we grew up in similar ways. Yeah. Do you want to share something? Well,
0: very similar to you. Um, so, well, withhold, you, you had to withhold your desires or anything until you were married, and then it was, like, all of a sudden, okay. Yeah. Right? But even then i felt suppressed because um it's you've been conditioned so long no 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 and then you don't really know what to do with some of those desires and things that you have or your partner doesn't honor um that you have those desires or and they're not met um one i wouldn't ask for what i wanted to, it was also taboo to explore your own sexuality, your own desires, and so, um, although I think I was very rebellious in some of that early on, just to be honest with you on that, (laughs) but, but I do remember actually feeling that I wasn't supposed to have these desires, and I did feel wrong for that, and, and there were times when I go, when I am exploring where I go, I'm not supposed to, this is, this is wrong. And so I'd be ashamed or feel bad. Um, and then there were other times that I wasn't, but yeah, just all that conditioning of, yeah, it's okay for him to have all these desires for him to, um, just ravage you, ravage you, ravage you. And you had no say in it. And, and you could, there were several of those kinds of situations where I felt like I wasn't it wasn't okay for me to reciprocate although you do hear those little things that they want you know you to be you know this way as a wife and then you know crazy um in the bedroom kind of thing and and i go well like so is it only acceptable here do you know what i mean just all those little things that they say that aren't okay, or certain ways you could express yourself sexually, but other ones were taboo. And I I like the word amputation, because that is what it feels like, that you're really cutting off a whole part of yourself that you don't get to access, and it's a place to enjoy, and um, how you get to a spiritual level with your partner. And it's also a way that you can create from, and, and thrive, and explore, and be curious, and it's a whole section of our lives. So it's not just cutting off our sexuality. It's a whole section of thriving part of our lives that we're cutting off. So there we go. That's my little two sense, but
1: Well, and I know for me when I did enter a marriage with all of that conditioning, for me it was um it was not enjoyable because yeah. it was it was very much forced to be like, how can I accommodate? I'm, I'm on It's a service here too. job. Yeah. Yeah, it is it's a service job. It's exactly what it feels like. And um and it's interesting because I, I wasn't even with a partner who had a lot of religious conditioning, but he still very much had that um that male conditioning that was, you know, sexuality is completely focused on him, his needs, and mm-hmm. anything that um you know, any part of my sexuality was not acknowledged and was oftentimes just subtly said, you know, I'm so glad you're not that way. I'm so glad you're not <laughs> loose. You're not a whore. You're not, you Yeah. Know. So it was a lot of like reaffirming and, um, and if you
0: want to be a good girl, reinforcing. That's, the, that's what you want to hear, right? Yeah. So
1: it was all like reinforcing this idea of like, oh, just, just shut it out. Just you know yep you're doing the right thing by just being you know he would even say i think you're asexual Mm -hmm. and that probably was the way that i came across because it was more comfortable for me because that part of me i had been taught to believe was very dangerous Mm -hmm. that part of me could get me raped that part of me could get me assaulted that part of me um, could
0: lead them astray
1: could yep it would all be my fault right and it would still be my fault yeah (laughs) so you know it was a it was a very dangerous piece of me that I was very much um, not even consciously you know I I couldn't consciously put that into words but I I was scared of accessing Mm -hmm. that Um, and that was also reinforced I remember being at my grandma's house when do you remember when the the rape happened on the harvard campus mm-hmm. harvard or stanford
0: was one of the universities i can't
1: remember um, anyway the um, brock brock turner was okay. the was the guy and uh, Chanel Miller was the. You're good at names. Yeah. I read her yeah. book. Oh, okay. Um, it's phenomenal. Um, know my name is, is the name of her book. Um, really, really amazing woman to be able to have the bravery to write her story. Um, she she was assaulted, and the courts over the course of years um would you know. Basically try to get her to say it was her fault. She was too drunk. She couldn't she couldn't remember because she was too drunk She couldn't say no because she was too drunk. She was you know, how was she dressed? All oh, of the yeah, things I remember all that and I remember my grandma at the time Telling me you know, well, she shouldn't have been at that party uh, She should know how guys are mm-hmm. And She shouldn't have been drinking
0: because me. it puts you in a state that you can't make conscious decisions Yeah
1: Yeah. And all of these things that in her mind, men had a right to, you know, men had a right to be at the party. Men had a right to drink. Men had a right to think that way and behave that way. And take advantage of you. Yeah. But but women, Mm -hmm. you know, they should just know better. Wow. I mean, that was that was so heavy to me to hear. Um, And and I was still governed in some way. By that thinking you know there was still a very palpable fear in me mm-hmm. that, um, that there was some truth to that and at least you know there's still some fear in me that that's justified mm-hmm. I don't believe that um, men are incapable of acting differently um, I actually believe that when we come from more of a feministic or Um, equality perspective, we're far more respectful towards men because we believe in men's capabilities. We
0: empower them that they can make choices. And we also, um, I think the other part that you said on the fear, um, just to go back just a tiny bit, is our fear of letting other people down too, or like culturally. Like, it is my fault, and i if I was a good girl at that time, if I had done the things that I was supposed to do and um, be all the things that society said, then, then that wouldn't have happened to me, right? Mm-hmm. And there's even a part of you that celebrates when uh, you know, I, I'll go off that rabbit trail but it's it's just that good girl thing mentality where if you have done these things then that the guy would not have made that choice he still made a choice and it wasn't a good choice and but yet sometimes they they get let off the hook just like in the case of
1: a lot of the times they get let off the hook which really reinforces that fear that being being sexual having desires being pretty um, being too loud, too noticeable, um, that all of that is dangerous. Too immodest. Yeah, that yeah, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, knowing that that is reinforced by our culture and then also, you know, for those of us who came from a religious background that was heavily infor- uh, influenced by religion, um, then we get to be even more aware of how that conditioning is actually Um, reinforcing the idea that we need to amputate that part of ourselves and to not access that part and to not be fully um, embodied and to be whole because as a whole being we're not cutting off any part of ourselves and we don't have to and we don't have to apologize for being our whole being how we were created Um, one of the things I learned I think it was from Naomi Wolf's book vagina um, I, I want to say it was in that book, that every mammal, uh, every female mammal is created with a clitoris. Yeah. And I I was like, wow, that's, that's just, it's really interesting to me. Those are things, facts that we don't often have. Yeah, and
0: obviously it's there for a reason. It doesn't have any other function except for pleasure. pleasure. Exactly.
1: <laughs> female pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so how, how interesting that, know we we have all been created with the ability to have pleasure and to have been told for so long that it's wrong for us to access pleasure or to want it um how sad and Mm -hmm. you know i'm looking at the book right now on my shelf um the witch's hammer and that book was created Um, as a guide to identifying witches and burning them and hanging them, uh, murdering them, torturing them, and in that book it talks about uh, women being temptresses Mm. and that women can either be um, these beautiful innocent pure beings or they can be um, conniving and evil and and temptresses. Mm and bewitching of men and lead them down you know terrible paths and that thinking uh, has created a lot of violence towards women it's created a, a massive amount of violence towards women because we have we have been told basically to survive what do you need to be you need to be innocent and pure and um and not intelligent. Don't do any of your own thinking. Be obedient. Um, and that was literally survival. know, you don't want to be uh, burned at the stake and yeah. choking on smoke. Then you do what you're told. And you she um, has a, a amputate soul's lineage. Pauline says soul's lineage, time, lifetimes, parallel lives affecting today. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ancestral programming um, deeply embedded in our DNA. I think that you know, we're learning more and more about ancestral trauma and that our bodies literally remember uh, what has Which been experienced. to protect us and save us from that. Mm-hmm. So for those of you like me that have felt, literally felt that physical fear and need to just ignore that that part of myself even exists. You're not alone, and it is there for a reason. Um,
0: doesn't start mean that changing that.
1: <laughs> we can't, you know. That doesn't mean that we can't heal that. Mm-hmm. We can. We can and We're having to change that paradigm.
0: We're ready for that.
1: Yeah. So, Marie, do you have anything to add to that? Like wholeness of ourselves as females and ability to have desire i just i just to go
0: on the other side of that and just to remind people like embracing that part of ourselves is just so important in our wholeness but also as that um as we were talking about a little bit earlier it's the thriving part of us it's the part that gets us excited in in the moment it's the part of us that we really get to savor and relish the beauty that this life has to offer and if we can change that paradigm then we have access to a whole new playground of fun and creation and sensuality and enjoyment uh, you know for ourselves and for our partners and so yeah, I just want to say that which actually ultimately saves the world because then the world is a happier place <laughs> Yeah, and going deeper into
1: it. I I think especially, you know, the mothers out there who have daughters, yeah, you know, modeling to them um, something different than the shame that so many of us have been brought up with is so very important. Um, And I guess I want to speak to, you know, I hear that woman out there saying, you know, but what about... Um, you know me that has this partner who isn't supportive mm. or who is judging yeah. my uh, my sexuality or my uh, my desires and is is maybe subtly oh, shutting yeah. that down um, you know i hear you out there what about me what do i do um, how do i handle that and you know there's no simple answer and i think that there's so many layers to Um, becoming unapologetically ourselves and sexuality is one piece of that. And if you are with a partner who does not support whatever element, it doesn't even have to be um, sexually, but whatever element of you, you get to face that honest truth that you may be with a partner who uh, only wants a version of you that they have created in their head and in this journey of learning to be authentic we get to look at those honest those honest true colors Mm -hmm. and we get to decide if we really want to be authentic and deal with the fallout or if we want to accommodate what someone else's expectations and desires are and this may be one of those areas where you either get to have a conversation to see you know, if they really want the authentic version of you, or if they are only willing to accept a a fake version of you, mm-hmm. a manipulated version of you. And then you get to decide what you want to do with that information. That
0: was well said. Very good wrap up on that.
1: Do you have anything to add to the partner? No, that was
0: well said. Just the, those are choices, and to, to be aware. I mean, the more aware we are and more educated we become, the easier it is to make a choice. We're making a choice from from a very educated, knowing place instead of just subconsciously just letting things happen to us. And so I think, um, yeah, it it's you deciding to have that conversation or not have that conversation or to really delve into it because it could be an education for your partner as well Mm because sometimes they don't really know that that this is cultural programming, right? For centuries. And um, so, yeah, maybe investigating it together could be an option
1: as well, but it's to make those conscious decisions. Yeah, and just like we have been uh, a victim of a lot of programming, so have they. Mm-hmm. and remembering that, and that doesn't let them off the hook. We all no. get to learn. <laughs> However, just just know that likely that's all they've ever been told, just like that's all we've ever been told. So, you know, we get to have the opportunity to learn and grow and do something different. Um And we weren't allowed to have those conversations, so it's not even been brought up. Yeah. I mean, so
0: even if... Um, there might be a, a skimming of knowledge that they, we haven't been having those conversations before either. So it's just really important to start getting those conversations out there. And again, back to what you were saying earlier moms with daughters, it starts with us and that's what ripples out. Um, so it starts from the small nucleus and then, and then ripples out
1: to the They frame. are watching.
0: They are <laughs> always, right? <laughs> we think they aren't, but they are watching what we're modeling. Um, more important than even the words we speak, you know, are your actions matching what you
1: say, right? Yeah, yeah, we learn uh, to accommodate very well based on the adults that we watch even if the adults are telling you that they want you to be um, Be whatever you want to be, right? We Mm -hmm. all hear that. Be whatever you want to be. But But not too
0: much of whatever you want to (laughs) be. And they're
1: modeling something else. They're not being everything they want to be. You know, we learn that. We learn to accommodate. We learn to sell ourselves out because that's what mom or, you know, sister or uh, friends, people in the church, role models, you know, adult role models, we watch and, and we learn how important it is to accommodate. Mm-hmm. So um, be careful what what you're showing your children and the, the men too. You know the the sons that you have are also learning to you know. Expect are they honoring? They're they're learning to expect men or learning to expect women to accommodate them, or they're learning that it's okay for them to do whatever they want to do. And it you know it doesn't the world doesn't revolve around them. So you know all of those the groundwork for all of these things we're talking about is set very young when we're developing. So uh, we get to do something new because we know better. <laughs> exactly. So well, any, anything more to add to that a juicy conversation? All right, thank you so much for being here with us. This has been a hard conversation to have this whole month. I know for me has been challenging because this is so different than what I came from and it still holds its its discomfort um, but I'm, I'm really grateful to be leading these conversations and having them with you. So um, if you have any questions for us or anything to add to this discussion, feel free to email us. You're welcome to do that anonymously, or you can do that through our Facebook group. You're welcome to start uh, discussions there or um, comment on videos. Uh, you can email me specifically at defytheaverage at gmail.com or Marie
0: marie at mariesgold.com
1: yeah we we welcome those
0: conversations they may be edgy but we welcome them
1: yeah absolutely that's the only
0: way the world's going to change
1: yep so please email us if you if you have any feedback for us you can also find us on any of the different podcasting platforms uh, you can find the podcast on my website if you go to jillianaurora.com you can find us on itunes spotify podbean Um. Next week, we are going to be talking about patriarchy, hey,
0: def- defining masculinity. Defining
1: masculinity, thank you. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be talking about healthy masculinity and uh, what, what all masculinity is made up of because I think there's a lot of confusion out there about it. So please join us for that. We also have a retreat. We have a retreat coming up that we've been really terrible about announcing. So here we are. Um, If you are interested in more of these sorts of discussions, specifically around the power of the feminine and unpacking some of the um, shadowy, dark, violent um, history that we have come through and how we are rebuilding ourselves, how, how we are rebuilding the goddess, in us. I would love for you to check out our retreat, Warrior Goddess. It's going to be happening in the fall, in September. And there's some great
0: reconnecting spiritually with ourselves and the divine. So there's some other yummy, good, juicy things that we get to do. And just being in community together so that you feel like you're not doing this journey alone is really nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So please,
0: we'll put a link in our, in the comments. Yes.
1: We'll put a link in the comments, but absolutely check us out and see if it resonates for you. Marie is going to be leading us in a lot of the prayers and rituals, the spiritual um, connections, and then I'm going to be leading us through some of the deeper, darker uh, areas of history and um, and some of the more uh, analytical, I guess, is my, uh, my wheelhouse. Uh, We're a good skills. dynamic
0: duo, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Marie is going to give you some softness and then I'm going to I'm going to beat we need you up both.
0: a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we need both. I'll be your pillow at thing in the evening.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, please uh, please check out the link and let us know if that vibes for you. With that, I hope you all have a fabulous week and we will see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye everyone.